0: So you've just spent the day in Colonial Williamsburg, and you've been soaking up the various sights of early American history. You know, horse-drawn carriages, old buildings, guys in those triangle-shaped hats. And so no one would blame you if you'd had your fill of American history for the day. But before you head home, there's one last thing you might want to see. You heard from someone who heard from someone that if you turned down the right little back road, you'll find a field full of statues, hulking 20-foot-tall busts of almost every American president, George Washington through George W. Bush, slowly crumbling into dust. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to Croker, Virginia, to visit the iconic, ill fated president's heads. We'll talk to the artist who sculpted them and learn why they have been forsaken in a field. That's after this. If you're wondering who has both the patience and the skills to sculpt giant busts of every president, I'd like you to meet David Attucks.
1: Okay, well, I was in World War II. Remember that one? (laughs) It was in all the papers.
0: David's originally from Texas, but he served in the Army Air Corps during World War II, and that brought him to France. He'd always been artistic. He was the kind of kid who liked doodling in the margins of his notebooks.
1: But... To be in Paris and seeing it all, as a young man, she said, man, this is where I want to be. So I finished my service and then took my GI Bill to do two years in Paris.
0: David Addix was primarily a painter. But over time, he started to work in sculpture as well. And in 1994, he got his biggest commission, to sculpt a 67-foot-tall statue of Sam Houston, the city's namesake and former governor and president of Texas. And one of the things that David loved about sculpting Sam Houston was working on the head, and specifically the eyes.
1: The head is about 12 feet tall, and I kept looking in his eyes, and you know, I love the way it's done. You, can, you know, he just looks right at you.
0: It was a big job, so in the middle of it, David decided to take a little break to go on a road trip.
1: So I take a quick vacation to visit friends in Canada. And driving back home, I decided to see Mount Rushmore. Everybody knows what it is, but I've never seen it before. But man, I was overwhelmed by that. That, wow, you know, they're 60 feet tall, but disappointed that you couldn't get closer to them and look in their eyes.
0: The eyes. To David, the eyes were what helped him make the sculpture more than just a piece of stone. And so as he looked up at the president's carved into Mount Rushmore, he got an idea.
1: Wouldn't it be great to do the president, not just the four of those, but all of them. There were 43 at the time. And not that big, 60 feet, but big, about 20 feet. So that's what gave the idea of building the whole set of the president's heads at about 20 feet tall, bust, you know, from mid-chest up.
0: He had his work cut out for him. Technically, he would cut out the work himself, but I think you know what I mean.
1: The, the analogy is if you took a green pepper and sliced it in slices, and multiplied every slice by 10 and put it back together again, you'd have the exact shape times 10. That's how you get a model from 1 foot high to 10 feet high. He
0: starts with a smaller model, then slices and multiplies the dimensions of the slice. Of course, it wasn't that simple, Subtle adjustments were required. These aren't cookie-cutter presidents, and there are actually some distinctions between the busts that you might not notice if David didn't point them out to you.
1: There are eight of them that are larger.
0: During his research phase, David came across a survey of historians that asked who were the great presidents, who were the average ones, and who were the true failures. He used that as his guide for sizing the statues.
1: There were eight that were great and two that were failures. Uh, those were Grant, U.S. Grant, and well, the guy in the 20s, that, right after Woodrow Wilson. Can't think of his name right now, but... Ouch. Warren G. Harding. Now, all the rest of them were average. So I made the average ones all the same size. Those eight I made about a foot taller. Instead of 10 times, they were more like 11 times bigger. So they sort of stand out more.
0: Generally speaking... David says the presidents were all easy enough to sculpt, all of them except Gerald Ford, whose lack of strong, distinctive facial features proved challenging. But for every president, David found he did have a particular blind spot.
1: So history did not record what the back of anybody's head looked like. (laughs) So I remember I used to go to movies and sit back and look at the back of everybody's head to see if I could see a, a man about that age or that size and kind of figure out what his hair looks like. So,
0: <laughs> There was one presidential head that was particularly easy to sculpt.
1: Lincoln is a piece of cake, you know. I mean, there were so many good photographs of Lincoln. He had photographs taken practically every day in a latter part of his life. That beard, everything. I mean, his features are so distinct. If you can't do Lincoln, we'll give it up, you know. After
0: blazing through heaps of styrofoam and rubber, after sitting in movie theaters and studying the backs of men's heads, and after sculpting and slicing and enlarging over and over, David Attucks had busts of every president staring back at him, all within his humble Texas studio. Now he just had to figure out what to do with them. Originally, David wanted to move the busts to Washington, D.C., where they could be displayed among the other major monuments to American history. And it made sense, but it was too hard and too expensive to find space within the city. So he looked a bit farther to Williamsburg, Virginia, where he found a partner in local entrepreneur Everett Haley Newman, who put around $10 million into the creation of the head's new home. The new home was an open-air museum called President's Park, and from 2004 to 2010, visitors could walk along a winding path and stop in front of every president to look deep into their well-sculpted eyes. But the park never really became a hit with tourists, and when the U.S. economy plunged into recession in 2008, the whole operation had to shut down. A contractor, Howard Hankins, who'd assisted in the construction of the park, was hired to come in and destroy all of these huge presidential busts. Maybe I'm projecting, but I can just picture the big sad eyes of Warren G. Harding looking off into the distance, waiting to be reduced into a pile of rubble. But Hankins couldn't bring himself to do it. Instead, he decided to keep the statues and store them on his family farm in Croker. But moving 42 sculptures that weigh as much as 20,000 pounds apiece is no small feat. If David Addox had known they were being spared, he might have offered some advice.
1: I had no idea they were going to be moved or I was told them how to, to move them. Which is, at the top of each of them's head is a disc It's about six inches. It's easy to get off. You go inside the statue and wrap a nylon strap around this structure. that's at the top of his head and then lift him with a Hmm. forklift. We took 43 of them to Virginia and didn't lose (laughs) no damage whatsoever. But this guy didn't know about that. So he busted the hole in the back of everybody's head and lifted them with a forklift from the back of their head the
0: spot at the back of the head that David had worked so hard to get right. Well, that
1: destroyed them all, and they started cracking and falling apart. And he put them on a farm 30 miles out of Williamsburg. Tourists come by and look at them. It's a very sad affair. But he's showing what a bunch of dead presents look like. So there
0: they are, crumbling, cracking, chipping away. It's definitely sad for David, who poured his time into them. But they're also strangely symbolic. A truthful metaphor for the passage of time. A metaphor that reveals that time comes for us all, president or not. Luckily, though, for David and all the visitors, there's one crucial feature
1: that still survives
0: on all the presidents.
1: The eyes, that reflection of the light is what makes them all alive. And that's what's beautiful about it. And they all speak to you. <laughs> I mean, it's about the eyes.
0: Should you want to see these giant crumbling president's heads, and honestly, who wouldn't? It's important to note that the farm is private property. It's not open to visitors and trespassers may be prosecuted. However, there's a local photographer who offers tours and organized photo shoots of the heads. So more info can be found on the al Obscura listing. I want to thank David Addix and Howard Hankins for taking the time to talk to us for this story. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was reported by Matthew Taub. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, John DeLore, and Peter Clowney. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luz Fleming. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Witness Docs from Stitcher.